The following program contains language which is not suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I love that Bill and Ted didn't lose. I just loved it. Like I know. <laughs> I know. Best two out of three. <laughs> you d- best three. You're damn right. Because <laughs> the Reaper never loses. Welcome, everyone, to the Electric Boogaloo Podcast, the show where we expertly navigate the cinematic universe, jumping over the original to dive deep into the world of sequels. Have you ever stumbled upon a sequel of one of your beloved classics? You examine the movie details, ready to embark on a cinematic journey, only to be met with disappointment as you find the sequel pales in comparison to the original. Or you discover a sequel that outshines the original. Well, we're here to review these movies that perhaps were better than the original, or maybe should never have been made. I'm your host, Scott, and as always, by my side is my trusted movie companion, the man who owns more VHS tapes than he's ever owned underwear, my co-host, Brad. Brad, how are you, sir? That is absolutely true. You know what's weird about that? When we moved, we moved like two and a half years ago. So 2021, summer of 2021. I finally threw out my VHS tapes. You did? <laughs> yeah. Nobody nobody would buy them. I uh, I put them on Kijiji. I was like, anybody want these? I got like boxes of them. So they just, uh, I just put them in a dumpster. Really? Yep. Uh, that honestly shocks me. I thought maybe you would have wanted to take it with you. I still got a lot of DVDs. I don't own a DVD player anymore, but I got a lot of DVDs. Well, the good thing about DVDs is you can play them inside like a PlayStation or an Xbox. Yes. So you don't technically need a DVD player. You do need a VHS. Although you could have sent them to a place where they would have digitized them. Or maybe that would have been illegal. Then I had to pay for it. And I own them all on DVD anyway. I I have so many movies that I bought on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray. Uh, HD DVD HD (laughs) I even had an HD DVD player it was the addition to the Xbox 360 and I bought a bunch of HD DVDs (laughs) that you now can't play on anything do you remember I still have them I'm keeping them do you remember when Blockbuster had that big battle between Blu-ray and HD DVDs it was the it was the VHS versus beta thing all over again it was guess guess what Brad do you know do you know why Blu-ray won out because you chose HD? No, the porn industry chose Blu-ray. Is that why? That's why. Because for Sony and whoever else who wanted Blu-ray got the porn industry to put out their movies on Blu-ray and wow. not HD DVD. So everybody that was, that was the turning point. So everybody well, if you want to watch porn, you gotta have a Blu-ray player. Mm-hmm. This is pre-internet, by the way, folks. We're now <laughs> now the total combined number of porn websites is like double every other website put together. Oh Christ! I mean, this is, this is, I think it's a you know it's. I was going to say that's too bad, but I now I'm going to say I think it's a good thing that this wasn't there when I was growing up. I know. <laughs> Who would never have left the house? Because the antivirus wasn't quite as good as it is today. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And we would never have left the house. And yes, so thank goodness we grew up when we did. And also when we did grow up, we got to go to the theater to see the 1991 classic. Do I put that in bunny ear quotes? 
I don't know that the I would call it classic. But go ahead. <laughs> the nineteen ninety one classic Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Bogus. That is what we are covering on the show today, ladies and gentlemen. The sequel to the nineteen eighty nine. I guess we would say it was a blockbuster. Like honestly, like because they thought it was going to tank. And I think there had been like, it had been shuffled around a bunch of studios and, but Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure did amazing. So they said, well, we got to do a sequel. And that is the focus of our review today is Bill and Ted's bogus journey. True. And Brad is going to start us off with all the deets. 1991, as you said already, a whopping one hour and 33 minutes long. Directed by, I got to come up with another word, but I haven't yet. So I'm going to stick with this one. The legendary Peter Hewitt. Legendary? Now, legendary, (laughs) who has created such fantastic films as Home Alone, The Holiday Heist, Garfield of 2004, starring the Bill Murray, and his last movie was in 2019, and it was called Surprise, starring absolutely nobody you know. With an IMDb rating of 4.8. Good Lord. So his, his resume speaks for itself. The Bogus Journey, written by Chris Matheson, who also wrote all, wrote all three Bill and Ted movies and really fuck all else. Um, and the other one was Ed Solomon, who is a little better on that. He wrote this for the screenplay for the original Men in Black. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. He wrote. Uh, Charlie's Angels, the 2000 version, and is actually fairly something—not that they're overly recent, but fairly recent. Both um, Now You See Me movies. Oh, okay, yeah. Now You See Me was good. The second one, meh. no, I enjoyed the first one. Yeah, I don't think we'll cover the second one. Yeah, no, I no, I don't. Uh, well. I mean, we've already done some of these that I didn't want to do anyway. <laughs> like like Jurassic Park 3? <laughs> <laughs> now, we have Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter. Oh, wait, wait. Really? I totally forgot. Sorry, folks. I totally forgot that this is the second movie of our three-week adventure into the Keanu Reeves. one of the greatest actors of our generation, Keanu Reeves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, William Sadler, Pam Greer, and George Carlin. More of a cameo, but the legendary Pam Greer. I believe this was George Lucas's, George Lucas, Jesus. I believe this was George Carlin's last movie role before he died, correct? Probably. I actually didn't didn't bother looking that up. but I was kind of surprised, actually, that they got Pam Greer to do it, but. She's not, I mean, she's well known, but she's not, you know, hmm. she's, she's no Alex Winter. No, Alex Winter, who has enjoyed a great career, honestly, in uh, directing. And he was the cat. He was honestly, he was the, the major force behind having Bill and Ted face the music made. Yes. He, Keanu yeah. was on board, but he was kind of like, I'm going to be off filming some other stuff. And I know you got some time on your hands, Alex, like lots of time. So why don't you try and get the studio to uh, pick up this script? And he did. Great job. And they made it. And then there was a pandemic and then it went straight to video. Mm, Yeah, unfortunately. 
not much you can do about that. Thank you. Uh, no. Thank you for no. the pandemic. And uh, I didn't come up with anything else about producer or anything because that's that's pretty much it. I could list a bunch of people that nobody knows, but I don't. I'm not going to bother. Okay. No worries, but let's get into some uh, critics. No, we don't do the critic reviews because we don't care what they think. Let's uh, let's go into reviews, Brian. Okay, uh, you go first. All right. Well, I'm. Or I you am, want me to go first? I know. Well, I'll, you know what? I'll do a couple. I am on uh, the Rotten Tomatoes. By the way, okay. Uh, the tomato meter is green at fifty six percent. That's the um, critics reviews and it's actually tied with a 56 percent audience score so it didn't score very well with most people which is sad because i actually quite like this movie but we'll get we'll get through it and we'll 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 see what what um what people seem to think about it i don't actually have i don't the um oh, tomato meter doesn't have or rotten tomatoes doesn't really have any uh and you go first. Let me find a couple. Well, here. I tell you, I tell you what. There was one review that I saw on the IMDb. The IMDb uh, has an overall six point three rating based on reviews. And this one, I kind of agree. This one, uh, Mister Fusion, gives it a five out of ten. Okay. Not not entirely bogus, but not nearly as excellent. Okay, we'll give him that. All I don't uh, I didn't write down the name of this person. All of the charm and some of the humor of the original. Okay, good. That's not bad either. You know, it's not, that's, it's not terrible. That's the ones that I kind of agree with, and not really much else that I wanted to bother reading. Actually, there are zero uh, there are zero audience reviews of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey on the Rotten Tomatoes. If you can believe it. Is there? Yeah, zero. It says there are no featured reviews for Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> now, it, it seems to be wrong because it says because the movie has not released yet. I don't know what that means, but I think people... Means Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. I th- Probably. I think you need... Uh, I think you need to have been a huge fan of the first one in order to have any desire to watch the second one to be honest it's true yeah sure i can't see anybody watching the second one without watching the first one here's one a non oh i lost my page here a non-heinous sequel i wouldn't dare say this film is better than the original but it is very good in its own right the comedy in this film is just as good as the original though there are so many scenes that get me laughing just thinking about them not bad. They yeah, that's it. not bad. Not bad. Yeah, they liked it. There was 185 reviews. Yeah, there are. There's a lot of reviews on here. I'll give them that. And surprisingly, most of them are, you know, middle or upper. Yeah. Well, you know, 6.5-ish on IMDb is usually a pretty good review. True. Seven, True. it was a fantastic movie. Anything over seven means that it was wicked. Yeah. And it, really, it's about, like, how many people in the audience really liked it. And you know, the higher that review, then it just means there's always going to be great reviews. So. And it's also one of those things where there was absolutely better 
wasn't as good as I remembered. Put it that way, because I just I just watched it last week. I'm like, well, yeah, it's okay. I watched it just a couple of days ago. Again, this podcast is making me go broke. I had to pay five bucks to watch it <laughs> because nobody's picked it up or none yeah. of the streaming services have picked it up. So somebody at Orion Pictures, if that place still exists, is not willing to give any streaming rights to their movies. No. I actually, you know what? We're going to go through it in three acts. I actually quite enjoyed it. It's, it's, you know what? It's like watching a Michael Bay movie. You can just literally put it on and not have your brain function. Just like Michael Bay's did That's true. during this thing. So, <laughs> uh, folks, if you've listened to our Baby Boogaloo episodes, you'll you'll recognize why I brought up Michael Bay there. Uh, which is, <laughs> no, he is not. One, one of the top five in the world. <laughs> That's a big negatory. Uh, Brad, are you ready to get back into a phone booth? And are you ready to dial some numbers and head to San Dimas, California? to go on another well not excellent adventure get her done let's go act one we're in san dimas california in the year 2691 700 years into the future and we're at bell and ted university meet up with Rufus, who is teaching a class and is interrupted by Chuck Denomalos, played by Joss Ackland, who is in one of our favorite sequels. He was one of the South African consulate guys in Lethal Weapon 2. South African? His name, by the way, Denomalos, is one of the writer's names backward, Ed Solomon. Ed Solomon backwards, that's right. Denomalos is hell-bent. He's hell-bent on destroying Bill and Ted. And we are introduced to evil Bill and Ted robots who are dispatched to kill Bill and Ted and to change history in the meantime. Back in San Dimas in 1991, Bill and Ted are making much progress, aren't making much progress, actually, to be the best band in the world. We get to see the new princesses who both, I I think I looked them up on IMDb, neither of them were British. They both did absolutely terrible British accents. Yeah. If you just hire a British actress, like seriously. That's true. Or maybe somebody could be like, hey, I know what a British accent sounds like, and they don't sound that way. Well, I mean, a lot of people do accents, and they don't exactly nail it out of the park. What are you going to do? Well, look at Gwyneth Paltrow in Sliding Doors. She did a fantastic, like people were surprised that she was American. Yeah, yeah. Well, regardless of that, uh, they by you know they by the skin of their teeth, they get into the battle of the bands. But as usual, they're going to be the last ones to perform. So probably everybody's left. And what does this mean for Wild Stallions? I th- we thought that they were going to be the most popular band in the world by now. I really think that this first part of the movie sets up the entire story quite well. Sure. But it takes a bit of a turn. And we'll get into that in the second and the third act. But I really, I thought that they, the writers, um, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, did a good job of kind of showing, Bill and Ted work at like the pretzel factory or something like that in the mall. Right. They, they proposed to the princesses with like, 
that the like little bubble, like bubble, bubble gum, gum machine rings. Okay, now here's the funny thing. Quick side story. When my wife and I started date, first started dating, we were in a mall, and I literally went and popped a loony into a vending machine, one of the the glass machines that you turn it like forty two times and something comes out, and it was actually a ring that came out. I walked up to her. I think she still has it. I obviously had to replace it with something real like a diamond. Uh, <laughs> but that really kind of brought back a lot of nostalgia for me in in, the, in that scene when they proposed to the print, to the princesses. Yeah, that was a good scene. And actually, I'm going to jump to Bill and Ted's uh, Face the Music. There is a real correlation between like Bill and Ted being this symbiotic being like they're they're not bill s preston esquire and ted theater logan they're bill and ted just the way that they propose to the princesses together uh, and that happens actually in bill and ted face the music when they're in therapy 25 30 years later with the same princesses played by different actresses mm-hmm. but i really enjoyed what did you think about this whole setup we already know that the evil robots are coming and they're asking the, what do, you, what do you think of that whole setup? Do you think it was a, a good intro into the first, into the, a good first act intro? I think, I think it was good learning that they haven't saved the world yet that they were supposed to do in the first one. It was, yeah, it was good. The, the robots, uh, I can't say it's going to make any of my top 100 lists for movie first acts. No, no, no. But we've got to kind of take it like, how does it progress the story through, right? Like, we've got evil Bill and Ted robots show up just like they did. Now, actually, it's funny. There's a little thing in the movie I I read about. The evil robot uses land with their their telephone booth into the same Circle K parking lot. And if you look closely, there is actually a, uh, it creates a square because of all the electricity or whatever it is, right? If you look very closely, there is actually another square right beside it. So it's right. like literally where Bill and Ted had landed. That's right. The first time in, in Excellent Adventure. So I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, while Bill and Ted are watching, they're watching TV, talking about the princesses, and they received a phone call from the evil robot asses saying that the princesses were breaking up with them. They're watching an episode of Star Trek, a very famous episode of Star Trek, where Kirk runs up this cliff, this this rock, this slanted, slopey rock thing. And Bill and Ted are greeted by evil, the evil robot uses. They think it's legit because it happened in the first movie. Mm-hmm. How many fingers am I holding up is the big question that he asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know why everybody loves that question. Yeah, and he obviously knew because he said three. Whoa, was the uh, typical response from uh, Bill or Ted, sorry. The evil robot uses take them out and say, follow us. And they go and then they get, they get mean and then they take them up the exact. I love how they did this. They take them up the exact slope that Shatner was or Kirk was in and start in that episode of Star Trek. Yep. Yeah, that was good. If you watch, I watched the credits all the way to the end just in case there was something I missed or, you know, Bill and Ted might return or whatever it is. It's not always going to have an end credit scene like in a Marvel movie, but you always hope that there's something written at the end of it. And I actually said with special thanks to William Shatner 
So I yep. guess maybe they had to get Shatner's right to use his likeness in the movie. Oh, probably. Good old Bill Shatner did it. He did. So they, uh, they, they climb up this rock, and here's something that you will never see in a movie ever again. Now, this is 1991. So I'm only going to say it. I'm only going to mention it because of how much we've grown as, as a society where they're being held over the edge by the evil robot us's. And Bill says, you know, we just want to tell you that. And then Ted or Ted says that. And then Bill says, we love you, man. And they both giggle and call them fags. And I'm only saying it because I'm quoting the movie because I don't like that word. But that is something that I don't think you're going to see in movies ever again. And that's a good thing, actually. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a malicious. In, 1990, in 1991, no. it wasn't. But nowadays, no. that would never be in a movie. No. And over the edge they go. Gone. Goodbye. They actually killed off the two leads. Something that um, I actually, the, I remember the first time we saw this. We saw this, if you remember, we saw this with our friend Chris Frampton at the Fairview Mall Cineplex Odeon in, in North York, Ontario, which is a suburb of Toronto, Toronto, as they say. I'm still calling that Scarborough there, <laughs> by the way. It's still. So we, I remember s- s- being very surprised that they actually killed them off. Yes. And that was my teenage mind running amok, but I thought it was really like you hit the nail, like you killing off the main characters. Well, I guess they had to do it obviously so that they could continue with the story. But at the Correct. end of the day, I think it's, it's, you never really see that. Although no. this is fairly supernatural. You're dealing with time travel. You know that <laughs> you have to suspend disbelief. That's for sure. Oh, crazy. It's like a Marvel movie. Is anybody really dead? Yeah, exactly. I actually really like what they did. Now, I am going to preface this before we get to our throat punch. I hated, hated, and I use that word not very often. I hated Ted's hair. Hated it. His bangs were always oh, in front of his eyes. Yeah. Like, Why couldn't they just have given him the same haircut that he had in the first movie? Honestly, like I remember watching this movie a few years ago. And I had to turn it off because his hair was bugging me so much. It just distracted me from the whole, it's so, so stupid, but it was, I hated his hair. I know. Just cut his bangs. Like what the hell in the thing with the, in his it was, this, this was, this was no Chavez, Chavez hair. He did not have Chavez's hair. No, not at all. I do like though, how, when they die, they kind of make them look all grayish. Right. In a, and I know that sounds kind of simple because, well, how else are they going to kind of figure out that they're dead? I just think that they did such a good job paling them out, but yet, did everything else in the scene seem like it had color? It did. Like when they yeah, go. Yeah, everything in, had color, but they were in basically in black and white. Yeah. Uh, where they meet uh, the Grim Reaper. Right. The fantabulous William Sadler. William Sadler is, uh, he's probably, for some of the roles he's done, he can do the bad guy in Die Hard 2, uh, but he, he does such a great job as the Grim Reaper in this movie. Just, you, you, you're initially meeting him and he's very stoic and he's like, you know, you may challenge me to a, I'm not even going to try to do the, the accent, but you may challenge me to a duel. I just think that he 
he's like he's my favorite he's my favorite character in the movie oh actually. he was the best part of the movie oh he just made absolutely it, made it so much fun <laughs> he did i'm actually surprised that he stayed after he was originally introduced he was in the rest of the movie yeah, that like was to, great i'd like to know if they meant for him to be a main character or if he just grew on them and they added him in and continued with it so no that's that's an interesting thought well, that brings us to the end of Act 1. Why don't we take a break? Let's take a little break, Brad. And when we come back from the break, we're going to learn more about the Grim Reaper. We're also going to see... We're going to learn what a Melvin is. And we're going we're gonna to be sent to hell. So we'll be right back after this break. Guests of the show stay at the fabulous and historic Have a Nap Motel right in the heart of Scarborough. Please ignore the homeless guy on the front step. That's just Fred, our bellhop. Hourly rates available. Welcome back to the Electric Boogaloo Podcast. Brad, let's get into Act 2. Let's do it. Bill and Ted have met the Grim Reaper. They escape by giving him a Melvin, which we... No, hang on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you there for a sec. All right. We saw this movie in Scarborough. I know you like to say North York. I don't care. I'm saying Scarborough. Oh, what? what um, is Fairview Mall in, in Scarborough? In, in the theater, they killed off Bill and Ted, and they have to fall into hell. Now, I know I'm sort of jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I don't care. I'm bringing this up now. In the theater, they fall. And as they're falling, the movie stops. The lights turn on. And in walk a bunch of cops <laughs> with flashlights. <laughs> and we're three young, worried people because we don't know. We don't know. We didn't do anything. But you just, when you're young and the cops are there and they're searching, everybody in the theater blocked all the... Came in from the back, came in from the sides, came in from the front, blocking all the exits. Don't know who they were looking for, but it just happened to be while they were in the middle of falling into hell. And if we were all like hopped up on goofballs or something like that, I would have freaked the fuck out. Luckily, we weren't. No, we weren't. We were freaked out. I think they actually ended up clearing the theater. And then somebody, now this is, we went to see this in 1991 and we were kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think somebody in the hallway, as we're waiting to be let back into the theater, I think somebody said, oh, there was a bomb threat or something like that. I, I don't even know what it was all about. Uh, they no may, yeah, because they may have been looking for somebody. It was just, it was freaky simply because Bill and Ted are falling in this complete black background. Uh, and it's just them suspended by wires yeah. <laughs> wanting to play 20 questions scream. This is pretty long fall. eh, dude. <laughs> and the lights come on and the cops just burst into the theater. So yeah, I, I definitely remember that. That was, that, <laughs> that was a fun little break in the movie. Yeah. It's just no, no warning at all. And then, and then even when they picked up the movie again, it wasn't in the right spot. They had just, yeah, they were farther down the falling part into hell, but, yeah. We've got to, so let's jump back real quick after, uh, so they meet the Grim Reaper and they give him a Melvin. Now we don't call those Melvins in Canada. I don't know if that's like a U.S. thing. We, I, I've always called them gotchis. 
Where yeah, you grab, yeah, gotcha. You grab their underwear and you pull it up the crack of their butt. <laughs> yep. And he kind of like gives a, Ooh, and then they they run away. Uh, so, so they just so they Melvin the Grim Reaper. They mel they Melvin the Grim Reaper. Like that, like the guts that these two guys have, amazing. They think that they've need to, they need to try to communicate with people uh, in order to let them know that they've been murdered. So they head to the police station and basically Ted takes over his dad's body and Bill takes his partner's body over and they don't do a very good job of convincing everybody that they're, you know, that the princesses are in danger. No. Although, uh, what was his name? Brad, the, the what's his name? He plays Bill's. Hal Landon. Hal Landon. Hal Landon Jr. He did such a good job acting well, overacting like Ted. I did, I just it was, it was overacting. It was, but he just, I don't but know. But he was meant to. The way he's got his arms out, you know, the, <laughs> dude, the way he does it, great, great job. Bill and Ted have no, no luck with that. No. So they go to find Missy, who's for some reason having a seance. Now, here's a little thing for you during the seance. Uh, the two guys that are in the seance with Misty and two other girls, I think. That's actually Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon. They did a cameo right. in, in the uh, in the movie. They did. So they hover. You know, is the, uh, Ted uh, or uh, who is it? Bill asks Ted if it's ever worked before, and he said, "Bill says or Ted says it is now." So they kind of hover around, saying to Missy, and she's like, "Oh my God, we're being we're being haunted," and she starts to. Recite this incantation in some, you know, mystic foreign old language to try to send them down to hell or get rid of them. The words, did you know that the words that she was saying was Ed and Chris will rule the world backwards? Backwards, yep. Yeah. That must have been hard because I looked at the sentence forward, like Ed and Chris will will rule the world, and I tried to read it backwards, and I hadn't. <laughs> takes a little bit of practice. I had no luck whatsoever. Oh, and Missy, by the way, in this one, she is Ted's step. Ted's in this one. Ted's step. She's left Bill's dad, who looks she like was a bad Bill, Yeah, she was Bill's step. Now she's married. In the first to, one. Yep. Now she's Ted's stepmother. She's married to Ted's dad. But I think that she's had the teacher. She uh, major Oates is at one of their parties, so uh, she's like hi Oatsy, and as she walks by him, so she's the town bike. That's for sure. Everyone's had a ride. Yes. Bill, Bill, and Ted uh, after this incantation of uh, of Ed and Chris will rule the world backwards. Uh, there, this is where they fall, and this is where the cops showed up for us in the theater. Oh, yep. by the way, we were not the suspects. Everyone, just to let you know. <laughs> No, nobody got arrested. No, we were just, they just came in, searched the place, and left. Yeah, after it, freaking everybody and then, out. And then you know, at least our popcorn and Brad's peach drink were still there when we came back into the theater. That's right. They actually end up in hell, living some of their worst nightmares. Bill is being haunted by the by his grandmother oh. with the dirty teeth and the come and give me a kiss, and that's just gross. Oh. That was that was haunting. Yeah, the close up of the mouth and the hair yeah. and the teeth. 
And then they're with, uh, and then uh, let's see, Ted is being haunted by the Easter Bunny because he ate, he ate, um, uh, what's his face, uh, his brother's candy. Ridiculous. Uh, then they go and meet uh, Major Oates, uh, played by the Major, played by Chelsea Ross. Yep. Great actor, Chelsea Ross. People might remember him from, he was in Above the Law uh, with the Steve. Neighbor Steve? No, Steven Seagal. Oh. Yeah, he was in, he was in that. He played uh, Nelson, uh, Nelson something. He was a CIA agent. He was in Hoosiers. Uh, he was also Eddie Harris in Major League. Everyone is quoted at some point in their life. His line from the movie, which is, up yours, Joe Boo. And he was also in, um, he played a cop in Basic Instinct. Yeah, he's been in a lot. Chelsea Ross, great actor, actually. Really, really great actor. Uh, where are my notes, Brad? Where are my notes? Here we go. So they're living their worst nightmare, and they realize that they've got to challenge the Reaper to a contest. That's right. Probably the, one of the best scene in, scenes in the movie. The best. Absolutely. Hands down. I love that Bill and Ted didn't lose. I just loved it. Like... I know. I know. Best two out of three. <laughs> you d- best three. You're damn right. Because <laughs> the Reaper never loses. That's right. Th- there's actually a story from a book. It's an it's an older, 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 way older book. Uh, and forgive my ignorance for not remembering the book, but there is actually a, a part of this book where uh, somebody wants to get back to Earth or back to reality from 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 the afterlife and he challenges the grim reaper to a game of chess game of chess so i think this is where the the writers got the idea i think from. it was based on the seventh seal but i'm probably wrong actually that might be true there was that in the seventh seal as well instead of playing chess which i'm sure bill and ted have never played uh they play clue uh they play twister and they play uh electronic football and battleship Yep. <laughs> just when he says you've <laughs> you've sunk my so funny. <laughs> you've sunk my battleship. <laughs> you have sunk my battleship. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, we can't we shouldn't even try. Uh, no. but just <laughs> that was that <laughs> best scene in the movie, you know, like you want your heroes to win. They get to go wherever they want, but first they realize that they need some help. So they end up in heaven. They do. At the gates. Uh, they're at the gates of heaven. They're asked what the meaning of life is, and they quote poison. <laughs> yes, they do. The band poison. They quote. Yes, they do. Every rose has its thorn. After they've mugged people for their costume, because they want to hide the Grim Reaper. Yeah, don't forget they mug people in heaven, too. Yeah, sure. Okay. So they realize they need somebody really super smart, so they, instead of being in, the, in purgatory, I guess, with the Grim Reaper, they head up to heaven they meet God, they congratulate him on earth, and they ask him for some help. And the only word that God says to them is station. Station. Well, who the hell is station? Well, we see them go into a group, and you can actually pick out a whole bunch of like famous people there Benjamin Franklin. They're playing charades, and there's these two little aliens. And I love the fact that they're like, is that station? And the Grim Reaper says, you know, are, are you ignorant enough to think that the smartest mind in the universe is actually from Earth? 
mm-hmm. and it's Albert Einstein is guessing their their game of charades. Yep, Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey is the Bandit, <laughs> and that brings us to the end of Act Two. Any yep. thoughts before we take a quick break, Brent? No, I mean uh, William Sadler, the Grim Reaper, playing the games. Favorite scene? Yeah. Do you want to do? I'm Brad's, just going to get that should, one out of the way now. Uh, so we'll do Brian's. Let's do Brian's favorite scene right now. I, and I just said it. You just did. Brian's favorite scene is uh, the games being played against the Reaper. Yes. You yes. just the emotion that he has with the plane that just, his face is all white. His head. I think he shaved his head, or maybe it's a skull cap. Who knows? Just yeah, absolutely classic. So there's Brad's favorite scene for you. Perfect. All right, before we jump into Act 3, let's take a quick break. We're going to fill our coffees, and we'll be back. With the Baileys. With the Baileys. We'll be back after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Uncle Desi's Cookies. Mm-mm-mm. I sure do love Uncle Desi's Cookies. Oops, <laughs> all gone. Sorry, folks. We're all sold out. Welcome back to the Electric Boogaloo Podcast. We're jumping into Act 3, Brad. They're back on Earth. Bill and Ted have joined the world again. Excellent. This time, they are with Station and the Grim Reaper. They have Station and Death with them. Yeah, so they head to the Builder's Emporium because they've asked Station, and God gave them the blueprints that Station needed. Mm-hmm. They're going to build good robot asses. They are. So they're playing They're playing some music. We know that the evil Bill and Ted have like uh, kidnapped the girls. They have. They've, I don't know, I think they, they, they make Missy pass out just with like evil robot breath, as Ted yes. called it. Now the mall that when they went to the building emporium yes. the shop with Station and the Grim Reaper, that mall is the same mall as the one in Back to the Future. No where way, Marty, where where Marty meets Doc and first rides the time machine. No way, that's wicked. The, the, uh, it's funny though because we don't see that. That must be on the other side of the mall. Because I think where, Bill, where Marty and Doc were, they were in front of a J.C. Penny. So it must be on the other side of the mall. Yeah. Now, granted, it's the yeah. U.S., so there's probably the mall's probably, like, ginormous. Yes, I'm sure there's more than stores on just one side of it. <laughs> now, don't go around that side. That's the back door. Don't do that. No, no, not over there. That's the, the Well, the, the Builders Emporium apparently was a real business and was in business until 1999. When they went okay. out of business and probably got bought up by the home depot. Probably. Station is, uh, he's got some tricks up his sleeve, though. There's two little guys who become one big guy. And as, you know, Ted points out, you know, an awesome, enormous alien Martian ass. That's right. Uh, they head to the Battle of the Bands, uh, where the real battle begins. The good robot us's battle the bad robot us's. Honestly, it didn't take very long because they were like, We're Bill and Ted. No, we're Bill and Ted. Here's a robot. They run across the stage. The bad robot us's say, Catch you later, Bill and Ted. And they just punch their head off, like done. Yes. Yeah. Punch their heads off. So at this point in the movie, I'm kind of like, Hmm. 
this can't be the end. There's obviously got to be a second obstacle that they have to overcome. Denomalos. Enter Chuck. <laughs> it's funny. You don't find out until the end. His first name is Chuck. The sit-up <laughs> champion of the 26th century. <laughs> Denomalos arrives to finish off Bill and Ted himself. He gets melvined by death. He does. After a quick trip to actually learn how to play, the movie ends with a montage of the future success of the Wild Stallions. That's right. That's right. Did you notice when death melvins (laughs) Denomalos? This must have been an actor's choice. So Joss Ackland, like, oh, your shoes are untied. Oh, and then he melts. And he points at him. He goes, Melvin. They shoot right to Denomalos's face where he starts to develop kind of a little kinky smile. (laughs) Like, ooh, (laughs) that kind of felt good. Uh, I'm here to destroy the future. Yep. I also forgot to mention that Denomalos makes the television camera touch basically every single television in the world. Yes. So everybody around the world is now watching Bill and Ted. Yeah. Now, this is kind of where I quite enjoy the ending scene. You want to kind of watch it because it's all like headlines and whatnot. I did too, actually. It was good. And it kind of guides you through the whole Bill and Ted story, which is a bit wiped out with the third sequel, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yeah, when I was watching it, the entire scene is wiped out. Pretty much because they don't go to the space station. They actually don't really enjoy any very much success uh, after, you know, they sold a bunch of albums and bought a couple of guitars. But well, while they're showing this, they all they are. You're listening to Kiss. Yes. Sing, sing the God gave rock and roll to you. Now, I believe that gar- guitar solo, too, was actually done by Steve Vai, a very it famous was. guitarist. We haven't covered the uh, throat punch yet, so let's get into. Uh, let's hold on one second. Finish him. <laughs> All right, it's time for the throat punch. Who are you punching in the throat for the movie, Brad? Um, Stephen Herrick. Who the hell is Stephen Herrick? He he directed Excellent Adventure, and he declined to come back to direct bogus journey which which i which i think would have been far better had he come to do it instead of the fantastically wonderful peter hewitt super talented peter okay should we make a rule that you actually have to punch somebody in now we no kiss my ass we, <laughs> the rule we can we can throw punch whoever we want i'm not making any rules about the throat punch or you're going to get my next throat punch. <laughs> Last week, you didn't give anybody a throat punch in John Wick 4. So I guess we're kind of playing with a few of the rules. There are no rules. Okay, good. Because I'm going to kind of break the rule too. All right, good. Would you like to know who gets my throat punch? Yes, I would. Keanu Reeves' haircut gets the fucking throat punch from me. I hated oh. it. It was well, so. You know, de- that's an awesome choice. Just throat punch goes right into his haircut. I wish his hair had looked like it did in the first movie, and we could see his eyes for the majority of it. Ridiculous. That's true. So uh, the director of the first movie gets a throat punch, and <laughs> <laughs> for not returning, and for being a jerk, I'm saying, "No, this script is garbage. I'm not directing this." And Ted Ted Theodore Logan's hair, his haircut gets my throat punch for this one. Now, the interesting thing about it, do you, you, do you know that 
Point Break was released in theaters one week after this one. Really? Yeah. With uh, starring the legendary Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. and the Patrick Swayze. And a normal haircut. That's right. Well, he's Johnny Utah. He's, he's an FBI No, agent. sir. It's the other way around. Point Break was released a week before Bogus Journey. Why would they do that? I don't know. Different studios. Which would have which would have a lot to do with Keanu Reeves' haircut because he had no hair in Point Break. Yeah, he had kind of short hair. Yeah, because he was an FBI agent. He they clearly filmed Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey before Point Break. Although it's the ma- it's the magic of movies, they could have been filmed yeah, it's three the magic years of apart and, and makeup. But we know that he's not wearing a wig in Bogus Journey. We know that he's one of the greatest actors of our generation. I've really enjoyed covering him in this movie. I think he did a great job. I think all of the actors did a great job bringing back. Missy was my second choice for a throat punch. Only because she left, she left Bill's dad for Ted's dad. And she's, you know. Poor Bill's dad. You tap her on the head and her knickers fall down. (laughs) I mean, it it didn't, it didn't do terrible. Uh, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure made 40.5 million. And Bogus Journey made $38 million. Not too shabby. Because I guarantee shabby. it wasn't on 2,000 screens. It was probably on no. 500 screens. Well, I mean, it's, 19, it's 1991. Yeah. One of them being evacuated by the cops and us it's, standing there holding our peach drinks. No, Point Break, which came out the week before, actually wound up making $83 million. And that, I think, did a better job of launch, launching Keanu Reeves' career. And Bill and Ted did. It did. Because out right after right after point break, I believe he does speed. Uh I think so. And then he was smart enough not to do speed too. They gave that to Jason Patrick <laughs> yeah. instead. Yes, yes, he was. By the way, for the record, folks, we will never do speed two <laughs> on this podcast. I God, I hope not. We'll do Leprechaun two. And we'll do Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 Dream Warriors, but we will never do. If, you're, if you came here to say, hey, hopefully the guys at the Electric Boogaloo podcast do Speed 2, not going to happen. Sorry, folks. Hate to let you down. Oh, yeah. And, the th- and 1991, Keanu was also in My Own Private Idaho. Which we went, to see, we went to see that at the exact same theater in Fairview Mall in Scarborough. That's right. That's right. Well, you said Scarborough. I said North York. They're all together. It's the city of Toronto. But yes, we went to see it at the same theater, and I did not like that movie. It was it was okay. I thought I thought it wasn't terrible. We're not reviewing that one though. No, because it's an original, and it was weird. And actually, Keanu Reeves formed a a lifelong friendship with River Phoenix after that movie. He did. But they, these are three extremely different movies. All together, to and this to all all come out in the same year. Yeah, it really and Alex Winter had he already done Lost Boys? What, uh, what year was Lost Boys? Lost Boys came out in ninety eighty nine or ninety. I think he did Lost Boys in between Bill and Ted. Wait a minute, Lost Boys? What are you talking about? He was Alex Winter was in Lost Boys. Oh, Alex Winter, yeah. I thought you were talking about. Keanu went on to make a whole bunch of blockbuster videos, and, and Alex Winter went on to direct deodorant commercials. 
He did. <laughs> he did. So in 1992 came out Dracula, Graham Stoker's Dracula. Uh, Which they made him. Up. They made him try to do an accent. God damn! And, then, they do and that? then Speed was 94. Okay. Oh, okay. But anyway, yeah, he he did do good. He went on to to do good. So what are your before we uh, before we talk about next week's movie? Uh, we got to do a couple of things. We have to put this on a scale, which is our Electric Boogaloo podcast weight scale. Right. We should have covered it actually right at the beginning, but let's go back to the original Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay. And how many movie pounds did you do you give the original movie, Brad? Uh, 63. 63 for the original. Did you not enjoy it? I did, but it, I mean, it's not anything that I'm clamoring to watch again. No, but think about it as your teenage self going to see that movie. Was it something that you you went out and bought on VHS right away and then bought on Blu-ray and HD and CD and, and then you downloaded it from the internet? I, I don't think I've ever owned Excellent Adventure. No? Okay. I actually, oh. uh, funny enough, I own it on Apple, my Apple TV. <laughs> it's the oh, okay. only movie I bought on <laughs> Apple TV. So Brad gives the original a 63. I'm going to be higher. By the way, uh, Brad, you gave, I still know what you did last summer. A, uh, you gave it a 65. So you I thought, still know, or I know, I, I know what you, sorry. You gave, I know what you did last summer, a 65. So you thought that was better than Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I agree with that. Just an FYI. So I am going to give Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. The original, I'm going to give it a 75. I'll give it a 75 because that's also, high not that high you you should see what i know uh, okay so i gave john i gave john wick the original a 96 i gave the original jurassic park a 93 i gave i know what you did last summer a 60 so it's like second last on my list for original scores yeah okay now we're gonna weigh it how does Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey weigh up versus the original movie? Brad, what are you giving in the sequel as a score? Um, Do you want me to remind I, you of what you gave? I still know what you did last summer. So you, no. So I tell you what, I gave Excellent Adventure a 63. I'm going to give this a 62. Oh, okay. So you thought that they were pretty close together? Pretty as close, far as enjoyability but just not, as, not as good. Okay, so I gave uh, Excellent Adventure 75. I am going to give Bogus Jenny a 70. So I'm not that far from you. Yeah, that's not bad. That gives us an average score of 66. And that will actually show up on our list. Let me just sort this uh, little thing. Oh, hold on. I'm sorting the wrong thing. So that will actually put it number three on our list, right behind Under Siege to dark territory and <laughs> really just above young guns too. Wow. Yeah. So we gave young guns a, a total uh, score of 57.5. We gave bill and Ted a 66 and we gave under siege Two a 72, but I still claim that I'd really like to go back and change my score on dark territory. <laughs> I think it was being a little bit too generous. <laughs> All right, before we come to the end of the episode, Brad, why don't you tell everyone what movie we're doing next week? 
to end our three-week Keanu Reeves extravaganza? Well, I don't really want to do it, to be completely honest with you. It's kind of like, uh, it's like a, what the hell do you call that? A legend, a legendary sequel or whatever the hell. Yeah. There's a term for that. Yeah. Um, you're, you're almost, you almost have to watch it just because you've watched every other one. The Matrix Resurrections. That's right. The Matrix Resurrections. The 2021 sequel, uh, which, uh, yeah, that's going to be the next one, which I can't say I was overly fond of the fact that they were actually making, um, nor, nor was I really looking forward to watching. And I, I don't think that we're going to see eye to eye on this movie. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll try it again. And hopefully the second time will be the, the winner. Well, I, yeah, you know what? I didn't want to do this. It. Is nine, this is what? 19 years later, 18 or 19 years later. Yeah, pretty much. It was matrix came out in 1999. So it was a 20 years later, 22 years later. Both Keanu and Carrie Ann have gotten old, but still in great shape. Uh, you know what? We'll we'll see how we'll see how it goes. I've already watched it twice, just for my own enjoyment. So uh, let's see how you enjoy it, and then we'll go from there. All right, <laughs> it'll <laughs> it'll be fun. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. I'll, I'll watch it for the second time. Maybe it'll be like the Titanic. The well, and you know who you know who's in it. Who's like a, one of my favorite actors is NPH Neil Patrick Harris is in it. It's true. It's true. He's he's no he's no Agent Smith. He is no Agent Smith, but he is a good dude and he's a great actor. That's it for today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Please check us out on Instagram. Please check us out on Facebook. If you search for us on Facebook, you have to choose, turn all the O's and in Boogaloo into zeros and you'll be able to find us and join our page and follow it and we'll interact and we'll have that's some ridiculous, fun. That's ridiculous, by the way. No, that's because Facebook banned the word bugaloo because of some doofuses. I think we've already mentioned it in other episodes. I'm not going to get into it, but I found a workaround. We're on Instagram. We're on Patreon. If you want to support the show, please join us on our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com forward slash the electric bugaloo podcast. So Bradley, thank you very much for uh, coming out today. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, that's it for us. We're out for now. Yeah.